0: Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Today we're talking to a man who had what's known as germ cell tumor in his peritoneum. And if you're like me, you're probably asking, what is the peritoneum? Well, this is from the website Clinical Anatomy for Dummies. And it says the following The peritoneum is a membrane made up of two layers. One layer lines the cavity, and the other layer lines the organs. The peritoneum helps support the organs in the abdominal cavity and also allows nerves, blood vessels, and lymph vessels to pass through the organs. The parietal peritoneum lines the abdominal wall and extends to the organs, whereas the visceral peritoneum covers the organs. The peritoneal cavity lies between these two peritoneal layers. It contains a thin layer of fluid that lubricates the peritoneal surfaces. And with that introduction, we are joined by our guest, Simon Pitt from the UK. Simon, what did you think of the introduction? Was it uh, accurate?
1: Ah, I've got a lot more detail than I knew. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, about ninety percent of it just went over my head.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I had no idea what the peritoneum was, and I had no idea what germ cell tumor is. Can you explain the germ cell tumor part?
1: The germ cell tumor,
0: as I believe it, is related to
1: directly to your uh, reproductive system. So. The germ cell tumor is the spawn of testicular cancer, and it traveled from my testicles into my peritoneum and grew from there.
0: Ah, okay. I, well, that's good to know. I had no idea. Now, were you experience any, experiencing any discomfort prior to the uh, diagnosis by doctors?
1: Um, I had a little bit of lower backache, but I'd always had backache from having a little boy anyway and picking him up all the time. So I just assumed it was that. And then it progressively got worse and worse and it was there all the time and it was stopping me sleeping. Um, so, yeah, it was just real, a backache. Now, I went to my doctor's and it, I went three or four times and he, in effect, just fobbed me off and just said I was imagining it. And I ended up getting a private consultation Um, and then I went for my private consultation. They did a few scans, and then on the 18th of November 2013, at 25 to 6, he told me that they'd found a tumor that was uh, 12 centimeters by 7 centimeters at the time.
0: And what did they say with respect to how they were going to treat it?
1: Um, I was referred to an oncologist at um, Christie's, in the Christie's Hospital in Manchester. Um, they did a series of tests. and When they first looked at it, they thought it was a lymphoma. We went along a treatment path for about a month where they were treating it as a lymphoma. And then at the last minute, they changed their mind and told me it was a germ cell tumour which is quite unnerving when you go down one path and then they change their mind after a
0: month. No kidding. Yeah, it's almost like, well, we didn't know what it was before, but here's what we found out it is. Yeah. So you had that. Did you undergo chemo at all?
1: I was booked in. So they diagnosed me 18th of November. Then I was booked in for chemo um, to start on the 1st of January. But unfortunately, around mid-December... The uh, the tumor had other ideas and it perforated my bowel. Mm.
0: Um,
1: so from there, I just woke up in one morning in excruciating pain and was being sick every 15 minutes. Um, so they rushed me into Christie's and then they, uh, well, I, I went into Christie's on, when was it, about the 20th of December 2013. Um, They did a series of tests and they were looking to start chemo and then a surgeon had a look at my other scans and said he needed to operate. So they took me in for surgery on Christmas Eve 2013 and they did seven hours of surgery where they disconnected my stomach and plugged the holes in my bowel. But then that meant that I couldn't eat from there on in. Mm. And it was after, after that point, um, they give me about two to three weeks to actually for my stomach to heal up. And then they started me on BEP chemotherapy, which is a based chemotherapy, the second week in January 2014.
0: So you couldn't eat for how long, several weeks?
1: Uh, no, they, uh, they disconnected my stomach. I started the chemo, oh. and they... Didn't reconnect my stomach until October 14. So I didn't eat any food for 10 months and I was fed through called TPN feed, which is parental nutritional feed, where they feed you through the Hickman line in your chest.
0: Okay, it's clear now. Now, did you lose much weight during this period?
1: Yes, I went, I'm normally about 11 stone and at my lowest I was just over six stone. And I wasn't, because I was in, I was having chemo because of, of all my different ailments. I was in Christie's in Manchester, but I I stayed in for five months. So I didn't, it wasn't like I was getting out or about or walking. Um, so I was virtually confined to a bed in Christie's. I was fed every night through this feed. And I also had two or three actual different and tubes that came out of my stomach that drained my stomach because your stomach naturally produces about two litres of fluid a day. So all that needed somewhere to come out and they came out into these bags that I had to carry around with me.
2: Wow, that must have been quite the time, five months. The only time I left the ward
1: was to go for a CT scan or a, a, yeah, a CT scan really.
0: For those listeners who are unfamiliar, uh, six stone, uh, there's uh, 14 pounds to a stone, so he was 70 pounds. So you lost about half your body weight.
1: Yeah. Basically, the feed that I was given was just to keep me alive and keep me going, but it's uh, it's not particularly nutritious, so you don't really get anything for it.
0: No. This may sound like a, a ridiculous question, but what did it feel like to you?
1: It felt like I was wasting away. There was a few times where it felt like if I closed my eyes, I was going to die.
0: Did you ever feel as though you maybe wanted to die?
1: Uh, No, because I had at the time, I got a three-year-old little boy and he, uh, he needed his dad.
0: Yeah.
1: So that was always the motivation, no matter how ill you're feeling or how bad you're feeling you have to get up and get on with it because he needed his dad
0: yeah there's something that keeps you going isn't there it's some, you, you have a child uh, you, you, you know the child needs uh, his father a parent and uh, yeah it's it's remarkable what some people go through both physically and psychologically and to hear your story about your operation going through chemo and losing half your body weight and you're just, it was like you were just a vegetable sitting in that bed, I assume, every single day, over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, that was where it was, because for, for the first couple of months, I was too ill to actually even get out of bed. I just, I just physically couldn't get out of bed. So mm-hmm. I was just lying there, and you, you need something to keep you going, and uh, fortunately for me, it was my son.
2: I can't even imagine that. Boy, horrible. <laughs> so what happened next? Uh, so I had
1: I had the BEP chemo, which was eight hours a day for five days in week one. Um, it was eight hours a day, twice a week, week two, and the same in week three. And that was one cycle. And I had eight cycles of that, which lasted from January through to May 2014. Um, they did scans along the way and then in June 14 um, they had a look and scanned the tumour again and it had shrunk to about 6 centimetres by 4 centimetres so roughly about half the size that it was but the chemo hadn't got rid of it the hope was that the chemo would get rid of it but it didn't Mm. so they put me on a just watch and see let's see how it goes the chemo might still be working and we did another scan in August, and the tumour was still the same size. So they decided to operate. And the purpose of the operation was to remove the remaining tumour, reconnect my stomach, um, and then. But when they got in there, they it was a bit more complicated than they thought. So it was attached to me kidney as well. And they couldn't peel it off my kidney, so they had to take my left kidney out. They managed to remove the tumour, and unfortunately, they could peel it off my aorta as well. So, your aorta is just your main blood supply through your body. Um, Unfortunately, as they could peel it off that, they didn't have to do an aorta resection because they were going to, they had a a bit of pig that they were going to replace my aorta with. Oh, gosh. so they they took the took my kidney out took the tumor out peeled it off my aorta and reconnected my stomach which left me with a foot long scar from halfway up my chest as far down as you can go um, and that took them well there was three different surgical teams and it took them four, 14 hours
2: 14 hours of surgery yeah that's a massive surgery
1: it's, uh, it's, it felt like a few seconds to me. I just fell asleep yeah, and I woke up.
2: woke up and it was all done.
1: Yes, yeah, so I woke up with a hue, well, a foot long list of staples because they, they went in through the front, so it was all down my stomach. Mm. Um, and I had an epidural, and they left the epidural in for four or five days while uh, my stomach was sort of trying to get itself, reconfigure itself, so it wasn't too painful.
0: Simon, what did you think when the doctors, when you were awake after the operation, the doctors came in and told you exactly what was performed on you?
1: Uh, just a bit stunned, really. You, uh, you don't think that it's ever going to happen to you. and it, It's always somebody else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but as I come round, because they told me that um, there was a chance that I would die during the operation, so I was just relieved that I was
0: alive. Oh, so they did tell you that uh, you may not make it? Yeah.
2: So at this yeah. point, is all the cancer gone then, if they've done that surgery and they've taken your kidney and they've peeled it off your aorta? Are you cancer-free? Yes.
1: Yeah, so at that point, so they um, they let my stomach settle down. They, um, they took me off the epidural and all the painkillers, which was crucifyingly painful, where they're taking you off the epidural and building your other painkillers up. But then after about two weeks, I came out of intensive care. And then um, after that point, I started eating again. <laughs> you, you won't believe how good jam on toast tastes when you've not eaten for 10 months.
2: Yeah. Oh, I, I imagine. Boy,
0: yeah. oh boy. Was that the
2: first thing you ate? Yeah, it was. Um,
1: ev- everything was just, oh, everything is so tasty. <laughs> really when, you did,
2: when you didn't eat for that 10 months, did you think about food?
1: All the time.
2: So what was your like what was your meal that you absolutely dreamt of having?
1: Well well while I couldn't eat, I made a list of foods that I wanted or restaurants that I was gonna visit and I got better. But
2: <laughs> right on. just
1: simple things like I, I just was craving cottage pie for whatever reason. Right. But that was one of the first things the hospital got for me when I was there, but tasting food again after two months. It was, it was amazing.
0: I'll <laughs> oh, bet it was. Oh, that, uh, that's remarkable. I mean, you have went through some just horrendous surgery. First surgery was seven hours, and your second sur- surgery was 14 hours. They're peeling uh, cancers off your, your aorta. They couldn't remove the one from the kidney, so they have to remove the kidney. How do you feel as a result of only having one kidney?:
1: Surprisingly, it doesn't feel any different. I thought I'd have to change my diet, I thought I wouldn't be able to drink alcohol. but my, uh, my surgeon just said, oh, exactly the same as it should be, and your kidney's quite a clever organ, in the fact that it realized that one of them had gone. So your other kidney grows.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: my other kidney has grown by twenty-eight percent.
2: Yeah, oh. yeah. The my the father of my children had the same issue. His kidney stopped working. They figure when they amputated his leg, yeah. and um, the average size of a kidney is twelve to fifteen centimeters. His right one, even though he's not a very big man, was seventeen and a half centimeters.
0: Oh, so it grows it in order to compensate. Yeah,
1: yeah. Very clever.
2: So th- so there you are in hospital and you're, you've, you've had all this surgery and at this point you're cancer-free, that's correct?
1: Uh, yes, so that was October 2014. Right. Um, and then at Christmas time, just around sort of mid-December time 2014, I started getting backache again. But this time it was a lot more painful uh, and it came from nowhere. When I had backache before, it grew over a couple of months this time it grew, the pain within sort of a week or two, mm. and it was just before Christmas, and I didn't want to lose another Christmas with my little boy, so I uh, I just put up with it. I uh, I just I tried to hide it from my family, and then on New Year's Day the pain just got too much, um, so I took myself back into Christie's. They did another scan. And they said the tumour was back in exactly the same place.
2: Oh man, were you surprised, or did you have a gut feeling about it? I, as soon as I got the pain,
1: I knew really what it was. Yeah. And then subsequently, the oncologist has said sometimes when when they do surgery, when they cut out a tumour, microscopic spores actually spread themselves in the body. Mm-hmm. That they try and clean it up, clean you up, but they can't clean it up effectively. So they never know. What's left there, and if those spores land in a particularly fertile area, they start growing again. And unfortunately for me, that's what happened.
2: Oh, so little microscopic yeah. spores. Yeah, often when when they're doing a surgery like that, they'll s- basically spread it. That's uh-huh. yeah. the big fear. That's the big
0: fear. And- so what happened after that, Simon?
1: So January 2015, I had something called tip chemo. Uh, which, again, is platinum-based, but is a lot harsher treatment. So I was on it for week one was five days for 20 hours a day. Then I had a rest week two and three, and that was one cycle. And then I repeated that from January through to the end of April 2015. Um they told me that this chemo, because the first chemo had failed, I'd only, only had, well, less than a 20% chance of working. So it was at this point that I wasn't willing to die. So I started researching different things, looking at diet changes and came across, um, well, somebody, I came across Cory online. Um, so I started researching curry and cannabis oil, and doing a lot of reading around what cannabis oil does, how it works, how to change my diet to supplement cannabis oil. Um, I then had a three-quarter of an hour Skype call with Curry. You probably don't remember Curry speaking to that many people.
2: <laughs> I sort of do, <laughs> not. I, I, I'm not going to be able to recall all the details though. Yes, I do I do recall because of your son. I remember that we wanted to keep you going for your son. I remember that.
0: So
1: so then Corey gave me a lot more info. Um, and then I took it on my own back uh, to research where I could either make it myself or I could get it from. And uh, I found somebody in England who I spoke to a few times. He was completely new to me, but he seemed quite trustworthy. So... Uh, I got references from people he'd helped and treated and I I went to see him and I started taking cannabis oil in May 2015 and I got up to quite quickly, within about a month, I got up to a grammar day um, and I was doing it all orally just by putting it under my tongue, leaving it there for 20 minutes and then let it get into your system that way because Getting it in that way, you'll know, is you get more into your system rather than it going through into your stomach because mm-hmm. you lose a lot of the oil in your stomach because of your stomach acids. And I I did that for the best part of a year. Um, but it's, it's funny when you tell people you're taking cannabis oil, everyone's got this picture of you sat there with music on feeling Mm -hmm. quite happy, feeling a bit stoned, got the munchies and everyone thinks it's quite a nice form of treatment. It's a lot more difficult than a lot of people think because I was doing it all orally I was taking CBD oil at 7 o'clock because that's the oil that keeps you more alert and I was taking THC at 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock to get myself up to the full gram and I was asleep and stone feeling sick with the room spinning by sort of 11 o'clock at night and then I wasn't waking up until two three o'clock the next afternoon and it's it's quite a difficult experience because mm. you feel like you're wasting your life away by just lying in bed asleep
2: yeah and, you and then do it you, all over again you do that
1: for a long time but you may you're thinking at the same time well it may not work I might die And I'm I'm wasting all my time being asleep in bed. So mentally, it's quite tough.
2: Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I've always often say to people, you know, it's not a walk in the park. It's it's one thing if you choose to be stoned. It's another to. It's almost like you have to be stoned at some level.
1: That's exactly it. It's just uh, it is difficult. But people who've not been through that, and people who just smoke for pleasure just don't appreciate it.
2: Yeah. No, and they certainly don't appreciate how, often don't appreciate how much stronger the oil is. I've had um, quite a few people say, oh, I've been smoking all my life, I'll be fine, and uh, then they do their first dose of oil, and it's a totally different experience than they were expecting.
1: I've had a, I had a couple of friends that tried it, who had exactly the same experience.
2: <laughs> and you went, so there, see what I mean? <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, it soon became apparent to them. They didn't try it
2: again. <laughs> so you, you Simon, d-
0: Simon, I've I've done it once. and <laughs> That was enough. <laughs> but you're right. Did you right. enjoy it? Y- you know what? I had the most incredible dreams. It was like a conveyor belt of dreams. And I remember in the middle of the night, I had to get up and go to the bathroom, and I thought, I can't get up. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, I slept for about... Oh, nine ten hours and got up had a headache had cotton mouth dry mouth and uh, laid on the couch and at 10 o'clock the next morning i uh, was laying on the couch and thought i gotta go i have to go back to bed and slept till four in the afternoon
1: yeah that, I, I know exactly how i feel and I, I never people say as well that you you get a tolerance for it i never really got that tolerance for it i i always struggled all the way through with the side effects of it. Mm.
2: Simon, were you taking this uh, three times a day, or how often were you taking
1: it? I would take four rice grains of CBD at 7 o'clock at night, and then I would take six rice grains at 9 o'clock of THC, and another six rice grains of THC at 10 o'clock at night. Wow. And the reason I did it like that was because I wanted to condense it so I could spend some time with my little boy when he came home from school. Because I wasn't in the morning because I was asleep um, he'd come home from school so i only had a small window before he went to bed to actually see him so i tried to condense it all into an evening which is not ideal but it was the best way i could do it with what else i had going on in my life at the time
0: oh well, it was very ambitious of you simon i'm surprised you even woke up
1: <laughs> there was a few days
2: where it was a struggle uh... so where where are you now in this journey so I've had four CT
1: scans over the last couple of years and there is still a small lump which is about three centimetres said by about 0.5 centimetres. Now they think that lump at all has not grown so the assumption is that it's scar tissue because if it was still live cancer they am assuming they would have seen it grow over the last two years. Mm. So as of the 12th of May I'll be two years clear.
0: Oh, that's good. That's That's amazing. That's great. Yeah. So are you still taking the oil on a daily basis?
1: I started, after a year of taking a gram a day, I dropped down to a maintenance dose. And I'll be honest, I've got a bit lazy. Um, So for the last three or four months, I've not really taken any, but it's something that I will get back to and just start taking a maintenance dose of a rice grain or two every day.
0: Okay, Corey's here to admonish you for not. Yeah, taking yeah, I don't, dose. I don't want to freak out on
2: you. <laughs> Please get back on that maintenance dose. It's yeah, so important. I know, and I am. I am going to do it as well
1: because um, it, it's it's not difficult. But you just become a bit complacent because taking a rice grain or two at night is you don't really experience the side effects after a while. So there's no reason not to do it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I've, ne- I've never missed a night
1: Have At you never?
2: No That's I'm very te- impressive Well, it's not impressive, it's called I'm Desperate to Stay Alive and Cancer Free <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, what, that's what that's about
1: no. Yep, yeah, we all are So yeah, I will. I definitely need to get back on it
2: But when you got rid of this cancer the last go-round there then you didn't do any more of that chemotherapy, etc you just did the oil Yeah, no,
1: so they the, the chemo they told me I had less than a 20% chance of working mm. so I started on the cannabis oil straight away and that's what I believe has got rid of the tumor
0: wonderful are the doctors aware of what you're doing
1: uh, no i didn't take i didn't tell them for one simple reason is my oncologist is quite an old school oncologist mm-hmm. and when i even asked him about things about like changing my diet not eating sugars etc he said that that was a load of rubbish, so I didn't even broach the cannabis Soil route because I knew how it was going to be received.
2: And yeah. have a donut. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, you, I think you, you did absolutely the right thing because you weren't going to convince him that what you were doing was working.
2: No,
1: definitely not. They're, they're not even on board with the diet and lifestyle changes at the moment, um, so... Something as out there as cannabis oil, I just, I just didn't
0: see the point. How did you change? Sorry to interrupt. How did you change your diet?
1: Um, I cut out all processed sugars. I started eating all organic. I started eating a lot more fruit and veg. because was me fruit and veg intake before wasn't very good. I, uh, I started adding turmeric to my food with black pepper because it increases the absorption of cumin. I started eating up to 50 apricot kernels every day because they've got B17 in them, uh, which is supposed to have good anti-cancer properties. And I took a range of supplements as well.
0: How do you feel other than knowing that you may have this little scar tissue within you?
1: In my mind, it's dead. Mm. And I've got the tools that if I was unfortunate enough for it to come back, I've got the tools to get rid of it again. This time you're ready for it. Yeah, definitely. I I know what to do. I know the people to speak to. I know exactly what I need to do. So I'm comfortable with where I am today.
0: And you know that if you get a pain in the back, in the area where you had the pain before, you will act immediately instead of waiting a week, right?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Like I say, I I definitely need to get back on that maintenance dose as well.
0: Yes, please. Yes, Corey's uh, going to get after you if you don't. Do you have any final words that you'd like to say to folks listening?
1: You need to trust yourself. You can't just believe everything that the doctors say because they haven't got the answers in a lot of cases. You need to get out there and do your own research. Have a look at different routes, your lifestyle, different diet changes. I mean, I tried um, oxygen therapy as well. Um, I tried all sorts of different things. But I truly believe that it was taking cannabis oil for a gram a day for a year that's actually got rid of it. And people need to be a bit more open-minded because it has got a huge potential, not just for cancers, but for other illnesses as well. That's that's what I believe from my research that I've done.
0: When you're in the UK, I mean, you're be, being in the UK. Uh, you have your government has a very backward approach to cannabis, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does. So there, there's all sorts of petitions uh, that are going to try and get it legalized, but they, they just won't. They just won't look at it. But interestingly, they one of the big pharmaceutical companies over here has applied for patents for cannabis. So they won't let you take it, the natural substance, but I'm pretty sure if they can produce a substance that is artificial in nature so they can charge for it, then they'll legalize that.
0: Yeah, are you talking about GW Pharmaceuticals? I am, yeah. Yeah, yeah we can name them. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Yes. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's uh, well... I've been on this bandwagon before. I won't go there anymore. But uh, no, I think it's great. It's it's fantastic that uh, you're healthy. Uh, you get to see your son, and uh, son will watch his father in old age.
2: I hope so. <laughs> I think so. As long as we get back on that maintenance dose, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: will. I will be doing. It. Well, okay, you know, Simon. It was uh, great to talk to you. A fascinating story, um, and uh, we. Wish you well in the future. Thank you very much.
1: You're welcome. And if if anybody wants to contact me to, for me to talk through in any more detail or help them, I'm more than happy for them to contact me.
0: Okay.
2: Thank you so much, Simon. You're welcome. Thank you very much.
0: And that's another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening.
1: You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio
0: podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out
1: more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview
2: of one of our other shows.
0: Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride, both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth, both in their personal and professional lives. Check out a major journey today on all major podcast platforms.